None of us can choose what our ideas imply. This is the Yoakum Strength Podcast with me, your host, Austin Yoakum, and producer Marcus Sassen behind the scenes. This cool leads us into our podcast today, which is another Q&A and kind of our monthly Q&A series we've been doing with producer Marcus. And today we kind of covered the beginning of Infinity, a book that I'm reading and a book I just took that quote from. And the, the, the gist of it is that every problem that we solve is going to lead to more problems and more solutions. And every single time we think we're getting closer to the end, we were actually just starting infinity. And then we started talking about novelty and workouts, kind of how we balance the chaos and order in our workouts, where it's not just random based workouts, but it's also not everything so structured to a T that you have no variability in your workout. And we kind of finish off with a little rant on massage guns and how we probably don't need them as much as we think we do. I love these Q and A's. They've uh, they've kind of really Marcus and I have been talking about this. Really force you to clean up your thoughts because in a interview based podcast, anytime you kind of get into a ramble or anytime you aren't clearing up your thoughts, you can turn that into a question. And it's almost a little bit of a cop out. Marcus and I talked about that how you can cop out by asking the guest a question, whereas now it's you have to clear up your thoughts. You have to end it and you have to make sure it makes sense. Otherwise, there's not a lot of value there. So I've been really enjoying these Q&As. If you guys have any questions or anything you want us to cover in these Q&As, just reach out on Instagram. Uh, this is where most of the questions come from anyways, just Instagram DMs. But if you guys have any questions there, just let us know and we'll try to cover them in our monthly Q&As and we'll keep this a series. Thank you guys for listening. Before we hit the intro music, I wanted to introduce to you guys the Yoakum Strength Insider. The Oakham Strength Insider is our online training platform that takes all of the ideas that we talk about on this podcast and implements them into a program that is available to you at the touch of your fingers. Our goal with the Oakham Strength Insider is to create better movers, to level up your life, and to move forward from where you are. We do this in a holistic fashion. Not only will you receive a program that has helped hundreds of people become better movers, you'll also receive access to our app, that allows you to track everything, has video links for all exercises, and allows you to be in constant communication with the Yoakum Strength Coach. Along with this, you'll get our 30-page PDF nutrition and lifestyle guidelines that includes everything from what to eat, how much of it to eat, why we're eating it, meditation habits, and other lifestyle habits that we implement with our clients to really level up their lives. If you're interested in trying out one of these programs, use podcast 25 in the discount section right before you pay for 25% off your first program. All right, Marcus, you know what to do. Hit that intro music. Boom. This is the Yoakum Strength Podcast. Take the leap down the rabbit hole with us as we interview elite level guests to unravel what high performance really is. All right, well, Marcus, we're back on for the fourth or third. I think this is the third Q&A together. We're back yeah. live. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. It's been a month, so I'm excited to catch up and see how things have been going. Yeah, like we mentioned the past couple of times, we're, Marcus and I plan on doing these every every four episodes or so, kind of throwing them in there and kind of getting a little behind the scenes look and then some kind of expand on some of the topics that we've talked about or just touched on in some brief episodes or, or previous episodes or just some Q&A questions that come up on Instagram. So I think this is a really awesome time to get some of the behind the scenes look of the podcast and what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a great time doing it. I don't have a ton of time on the mic, so it's great to be on here and just kind of talk. 
Yeah. Like we talked about, like you produce like seven podcasts and now we get you on to get you on to host the podcast, which is nice. Uh, I'm interested. So we, we, we've been four weeks, we've gone four weeks without recording a podcast together. What have been some of the highlights of the past, like four months for uh, the past four weeks, the month, uh, some of the coolest things they've done in the past month. Sure. March is always a busy month. We have, it's the one month where school doesn't really have any breaks. And since I'm in my senior year, I've just kind of been going through the motions, figuring out classes, doing all that. And for the first time, typically uh, we have spring break at the very end of March or the very beginning of April. And this is the first time in my college career that we haven't done that. Uh, So our spring break is like this week, um, which is the first official week of April. Um, but we didn't have any breaks in March and we also had like midterms and all that stuff. So I focused a lot on writing. I wrote about 15 pages in like two days for one class, which was kind of busy. Um, but just hammering through midterms has been my big thing this past month. And then on top of that, like you said, uh, producing six podcasts. So this past month has been a lot of just work in school, but there has been a lot of highlights too. It was my sister's birthday last month. So we got to celebrate that, which was a lot of fun. And then, uh, we also got some good books out there. So I was, I read four books last month. So that was a good time. And then on top of that, we also got a lot of big game announcements and movie announcements, which is my world. So I had a little, I had a lot of little moments like that, that kind of kept me going through the month, but there was nothing super special or nothing extremely cool that happened last month. Yeah, for the uh, for the listeners that are just hearing you for the first time, uh, Marcus is a senior in college and is almost done. Like th- this is going to be the last spring break, the last kind of the finish to your college career. Yep, this is it. Uh, so I'm really excited. I haven't done like an official spring break where you go to like Florida or California or anything. Um, so this spring break, I've just been focusing on honestly just focusing on work, figuring out what I'm going to do after school is over, uh, and it's it's been a moment where I have to learn how to pivot and figure out what am I going to do after school is over. And it's just been a question lingering uh, for this past month. So I've been debating with that uh, a little bit internally this past month. No, we have a, uh, we have a lot of young strength coaches that listen, Marcus. So they're, they're probably very much in the same shoes as you. What, what has kind of been the, some of the processes and, and the, the ways you're going about that pivot step? Because I know we have a lot of young strength coaches that they, they, they've reached out to me in the, in the DMS and they're like, listen to the podcast. And I just interested in what the next steps are and that type of thing. But so they're exactly in your shoes. What, what has that process been like for you right now? That process is extremely nerve wracking. Um, you start out and when you go into college, you, you have this mindset of, I'm going to pick a major and they're going to give me all of these classes that I have to take. And then when they give you those classes, you get to look them over and say, all right, I'm going to pick and choose which ones I want to take, which ones work with my schedule, all of that fun stuff. And then you might work on the side. Right. And so like you have a, a form of structure for four years straight and it's a very routine based structure and you get used to that. But when you start pivoting into like the real world, you lose almost all of that until you get a job. And so the route that I'm taking with being a producer and trying to like do this as a career, um, it's not a traditional route. So there's no right or wrong way to do it. There's a few things that I can avoid doing. There's a few things that I should try to do, but there's no like set right or wrong way to do it. There's no step one, two or three. So for me this past month, thinking about what am I going to do in this next month? I've gone back and forth between, do I want to focus on what I'm doing now? And do I want to kind of keep creating content and keep my grind, but then also work like part-time at like a target or work part-time at a different in like stores so I can get some income coming in and not have to worry as much about money? Or do I want to commit full-time into like my passion and my career? Because if I don't do it now, there might not be a better t- chance in life where I'll be able to do it. Um, so I've been kind of gra- grappling with those ideas. And uh, I think for me personally, I've kind of come to the conclusion where if I'm going to succeed in this career, I need to like put my full energy, everything into what I want to do. 
Uh, I have to focus on what's going to make me happy and worry about money. Secondly, you know, I, I live at home with my, my parents right now. Um, so I don't have to worry about rent as much. I don't have to worry about like car payments or family payments. Like there's a lot of financial reasons why for me in this moment, it makes a lot of sense to kind of fully commit to trying to turn this passion into a career because there's not a lot of risk. The, the biggest risk is if it fails, Oh, well, you know, it, it might be a year, it might be two years of time and dedication, but I'm sure I'll learn a lot along the way. And so if, if I do fail, there's nothing that's really lost in that. And my fear is that in 10 years, if I'm working at a corporate job or if I'm working at a job that I don't necessarily enjoy in 10 years, I might have a family. I might have a house or a mortgage. I might have financial responsibilities that won't allow me to kind of fully commit to the career I wish I would have had when I was leaving college. So I'm trying to grapple with this idea of if I don't do it now, I never will. That That's phenomenal, Marcus, because I, I want to branch off on that little bit. You're, you're like, talking about how, how the financial stuff will come after. And I think that's something that's that's super important, especially for a lot of strength coaches. So strength coach is like notorious for being bad business people. Like like they'll, they'll do so many things without like any, any insights on getting paid, uh, any insight on developing wealth, on doing anything like that. And you, you mentioned something about developing that skill set and taking that step forward into the, the, your field. And that is how like wealth happens. You know, like it, it, it feels like... Cause there's some people that'll put it out there. Like I I'm just doing this cause I love it. I'm just doing it. And yes, that's part of it, but that is what leads to wealth. That is what leads to you making money because you develop a skill set so particular to a field that nobody else has a skill set that nobody else can touch that you get hired for that skill set. And I think you've done a really phenomenal job. You've put, like you said, like two years ago, you, you were producing zero podcasts. You were doing, you were not in the field and now you are like so immersed in the field and have developed so many different talents just by putting your foot forward and taking the steps forward. And now I think like I'm 100% on you. You already know, I'm sure where I side on what step you take next. But when you take that next step, when college is not there anymore and you fully immerse yourself, how quickly things are going to start moving for you is really going to blow your mind it's exciting because you don't really know the financial opportunities that are going to await you. And part of my like field of being a producer, it's hard to warrant. It's hard to ask people uh, when they, they say, Hey, I'd love for you to produce a podcast, or I'd love for you to come and take some pictures and, you know, be my photographer for X and X event. It's, it's hard to put a value on that because I personally have such a deep passion for what I do. It's how do, how do I put a monetary value on what I'm doing? Uh, and when I commit to this full time, I'm going to have to start doing those things where I have to think and choose and make a plan about what I'm going to do to be financially successful. But I think if you think about that, secondly, you need to think about it, it needs to be in the back of your head and you need to like, process all of that, but taking the steps and not regretting taking the steps, focusing on doing what you're good at, focusing on accomplishing any small goals or big goals that you have. I think the money will follow you no matter where you go. It's just a matter of you taking those first steps. 100%. And you talk about putting a value on it. And I think that's something that like once, once you graduate, you're going to have an experience with that. It, it, it's kind of like a wild journey of like, what is that value? Cause that was something that I was doing when I graduated college, we, we worked interned for three years in call. I didn't intern my freshman year. So three years in college for free. Then I graduated and I'm, I was in the same boat. I'm like, what is like, what do I charge? What, what is this? Like what value am I bringing? And it was like, right away it was zero. It was like, there, there's other coaches that can do it. Like, why should I pay you that type of thing? And it was that journey. So the first four, it was the first four people that I trained was like every day, 
for three months, train them completely for free. You know, like that was your value. Like you, you step out into it, you think like it's going to be there and it's like that value is zero. And then that four led to 12 by the end of the summer and the 12 that you're charging, then you get the charge. And then now it's like, all right, how can we push that charging boundary? All right, that charge seemed to work. That charge seemed to attract people. Now let's maybe raise the value because you're raising your value as a coach. You're raising your value as a producer. You're developing your skill sets. And I think that's one of the cool things about the entrepreneurship routes and taking that step into the entrepreneurship route is the sky's really the limit for it. That That's one of the things in the kind of the corporate world is you, you get that piece of candy, you get that salary right away, but like there's always a cap on it. Like you, because you're going to develop your skill sets in that job. You're going to get better at that job from year one to year 10. Like you're going to get naturally, even if you don't try, you're going to get naturally better at that job, but you're going to get paid pretty much the same. Whereas an entrepreneurship entrepreneurship route from year one to year 10, you're going to get exponentially better at that job. And that's going to be rewarded with either attracting more clients, attracting bigger clients, attracting bigger jobs. And that's one of the cool things is you're rewarded for developing that skill set. And then it's like the passion, you get to do your passion, then you get better at your passion, then you get rewarded for the passion. And then it's like that circle of getting paid to do what you love and then being really, really good at it. Yeah. hundred percent, a hundred percent. It's, it's scary at first thinking about it. I, I remember I had no idea what I wanted to do. It was probably exactly a month ago when I sat down with my dad and he asked me, you know, what's your plan? You have one month left. What's your plan? And I, I realized uh, I don't have a plan and that's no longer a great answer. It's still an answer. Like it don't, if you don't have a plan, don't worry. It's okay. But like, it's not a great answer for me right now. And so I was, I have been thinking about it a lot more and thinking about those things that you mentioned, taking those steps and taking the risk, having the money follow, no matter what you do is really important. Um, but just take, being afraid of the unknown, I don't think is a great way to go about life because you could do the corporate like ladder route where you're going and you know, you start at this entry level job, you slowly get better at it. You climb a little bit of the ladder and you climb a little bit more and a little bit more. And some people will rise to the top, but it's such a competitive field and such a competitive market that you'll probably stay very stagnant for a very long time. Um, with entrepreneurship, it's not a ladder really. Um, you get to work on your personal goals. You get to work on your career goals. You get those clients that you mentioned that those big clients or maybe those, those big goals that you set for yourself. Um, and I, I like that idea of entrepreneurship a lot. Uh, and I like the idea of kind of thinking about what you want as a person and what you want as a career and then targeting your passion towards that. So for example, for me, if I'm producing podcasts right now, uh, most of my podcasts are all interview based podcasts. And I really enjoy that. I think it's a great time. I've met a lot of amazing people along that way. Uh, but something that I'd like to start doing a little bit more is taking a little bit more of a creative route, telling more narrative stories in some way, shape or form, whether that's audiobooks, whether that's um, telling a story through a narrative based podcast, uh, just taking those steps. Right. And, and so I think it's important to think about what you want as a person. And that's going to change constantly from year one to year 10. And then you can see all of your accomplishments as you go, kind of go on. And that's just, it's nerve wracking because you don't know where you're going. You don't know where you'll be in 10 years, but you have to trust the process and you'll get there. Yeah. And just being able to pivot, like you mentioned, like, like you're, you got in, you got your foot in the door in the producing route. Then you got your foot in the door into the, the podcast interview route and multiple ones there. 
And now that, like you said, like now you want to pivot to, you, you got a taste of that. You're like, okay, I like that. Now it's about, but maybe I like pivot a little bit here to the narrative route, but now you already have these skill sets you developed here that you get the plug and play. So I'm 100% on the same page there. I think that's, I think that's really cool. I think we got into a little bit of a tangent for our first question of the podcast, but we, I think we crushed it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and with that, you know, we've talked a lot about things that are very important to use in your life and it's things that you're going to use in your career, but also your personal life. And a book that we both read this past month was Jordan B. Peterson's Beyond Order. And it came out in early March and both you and I had read it. And it was full of rules that are meant to help you both professionally and personally. So I want to jump into that conversation and talk a little bit about how did, how did you like the book? What'd you think? Yeah. And you mentioned something that was kind of cool. It was kind of Jordan B. Peterson-ish is you said something like you shouldn't, you shouldn't be scared of the unknown. And I thought that was cool because Jordan P. Jordan Peterson's uh, Beyond Order, it's his second 12 orders for life, uh, 12 orders, 12 rules for life book is all about like trying to eliminate the unknown by kind of looking in the darkness. And you, you mentioned something else like not having a plan isn't a really good answer anymore. And that's, that's, that was my biggest takeaway from the book. I thought that that was super powerful is aim at something high. And it's just the highest thing that you can see in this moment at that time in that wherever it is and aim at it and then go towards it and look into the unknown and like face those fears rather than, and one of the cool things that I love, he continually brings this up in a lot of his books is like, people are so scared to even aim because when you aim, you have a shot at missing. But if you don't aim in the first place, you're 100% gonna miss. So it's like narrowing the chances down from missing 100% because you're not aiming at anything. You're just gonna walk in a circle in life, which I, you, you see all the time. Like people just circling around in life. Or you have probably, let's say the first time you aim at, aim at a target, you're 99% sure to miss that target because you suck at it. Like you're not good. It's your first time aiming at something. It's your first time going. But it's like even that small percentage is better than the 100% chance of just circling. And when you miss, you can aim again. And now you're going to have the knowledge that you had from that first miss and you're going to use it. And maybe now you're only missing at 80% of the time. And now you're going to continue to move forward. And I think that's something that I really appreciated about the book. And I think it, he just puts it in a, he tells stories. And this is something like, I really appreciate about him, the way he writes, he tells everything in stories. He tells everything in a way that you can tell he has a very high intellect and he has like years and years of clinical practice and studies. And he puts it into a story that like you and I can both read. It's like his level of expertise in the psychological realm is way deeper than anything will ever even touch or sniff. But then he puts it back into a story that you and I can both read. And I think that was something that I really appreciate for my writing and kind of what I want to do in the future of like that. That's how I want to write. That's how I want to tell stories. That's how I want to speak is you do have an expertise. You do have like a super great skill set that you've spent years developing, but now you can bring that back and you don't funnel it down and you don't filter it. So it's a worthless. You just make it into a story that people can relate to. And both you and I can have a conversation about it, even though we've never been a clinical psychologist. Yeah. And I think overall, I think you and I have two different opinions on the book as a whole. Um, but I found a lot of things that I enjoyed with this book as well. Um, and there are things that I kind of mentioned when we were talking about, like the future and talking about future career paths. Um, I, one of the things, one of the rules is work as hard as you possibly can on at least one thing and see what happens. And I like that idea a lot. You know, if you don't really know where you're going, if you don't know what's next, figure out what you really like doing and then kind of committing and just saying, all right, 
there's this one thing that I really like. I'm just going to try really hard at it and let's see what, what it brings me. Um, I like that idea a lot because for me, when I think about like my future, or if I think about anything that I'm a little uncertain about, there's this fear of the unknown, like you were saying, and you miss hundred percent of the shots you don't take. So working as hard as you possibly can, at least one thing gives you some kind of a drive. And I really, really like that rule, um, as a part of the book as well. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it brings it back. That's why I thought our first conversation is cool. Cause it kind of like, I mean, we talked about all the parts that we were, we were going to talk about in this Jordan Peterson book, uh, because it is like you, you develop that skill set, you get super good at it. And that clears a lot of things up for people. And it, he mentioned something like he was, he was talking about how people try to, and this, I have this quote in my book, but it's uh, set your own house in order before you criticize others. And that's one of my favorite kind of, I mean, it's, he has, that's, he has like 24 rules, but really like almost all of them dwindle down to pretty much the same thing, which is like clean your own room. But it was the, the thought process that everybody like wants to change the world. They, they, they want to do these massive, huge projects and things. And yet most people don't even have control of their own like life. Like they, their own life is a mess, but yet you're going to change the world. And the disconnect there that happens is, and it's like, if you can't clean your room, you cannot change the world. Like if you, if you don't have the small ability to small scale set, to set some of the small things in order, how are you going to change the big things? And the snowball effect that kind of starts by just cleaning up your room, then cleaning up your life, developing a skill set, like you said, like putting all your effort into one thing and developing a skill set. Sounds small, but you put like people don't understand how much you can put into something and how good you can get at something until you actually do it. And then what that skill set can lead to. And that's where I think we talked about a little bit with you, but again, two years ago, no skill set in producing, you had no knowledge of it and you just took the step forward to develop that skill set. And now you have a skill set. Like you, you have something that people are reaching out to you for. You have something that you're producing podcasts for. Like you have the six podcasts, one like is crushing, crushing, like strength handed. It was, uh, top 25 in the world or something crazy. Yeah. We were uh, top 21 on the iTunes charts for comedy. And then we were uh, 113 overall on the iTunes top charts. Yeah. So you, you went from two years of not ever producing a podcast to producing a top 21 in the world podcast because you developed that skill set and you moved it forward. And that's, it's, it's something so simple that I think a lot of people, again, are not taking the aim at anything. So it's like the circle circle, or it's like, like you mentioned two podcasts ago or one podcast ago, how nervous you were for that first interview. Like, and you could have not showed up because you were nervous. You could have not did that. You could have not responded to the random Jim. Uh, what was it like LinkedIn post about looking for a producer, you know, like you could have not done any of that. And you did is something small, that small little step of taking a step forward. And now it leads to producing a top 21 podcast in the world. Like that snowball effect is crazy. It happens crazy fast and it can go by really quick if you're not paying attention. Uh, so I think I, I like the idea of focusing on the one thing that you're doing and then working as hard as you can, because I think my example, uh, yeah, I did get on the iTunes top charts, which is an amazing feeling. Uh, and I was really excited for that, you know, one day uh, when we got that news. And then I started thinking, all right, well, how do I maintain this momentum? Right. And so when you're when you're working on something really hard, enjoy those moments, enjoy those accomplishments that you have. Um, but then I also think it's really important to then be like, I accomplished it. What's the net? What's the next thing? How do I continue this momentum? How do I build more kind of a thing? Um, and, and I like that idea a lot. And he writes about that in, in that one rule of the book, the 
idea of cleaning your own room was another idea that I really enjoyed. So for a little bit of perspective, before I read this book, I had no idea about who Jordan B. Peterson was. Uh, I hadn't really watched any of his YouTube videos. I hadn't, I hadn't seen any of the controversy online or anything like that. Uh, so I went into this book very like just completely blind to who he is as a person and as a, a psychologist and what his beliefs are. Um, so when I read the idea of cleaning your room, I like that idea a lot. There's something that I had read in a different book that was very similar. And it was, if you have 60 seconds or if you have a task that takes less than 60 seconds do it, because if you don't do it, it's just going to add more clutter to your life. So it's something like as simple as taking out the trash, taking out the trash takes maybe like 45 seconds to a minute, just get it done. And then you have this empty trash can you know, and it, and it makes your life less cluttered. You can kind of organize a little bit more. And I try to implement those things into my workflow as well. So something that I do uh, is every morning I'll come and I'll split my room, uh, clean the floors if I have to, but like really change the trash, wipe everything down, make sure that it looks nice and neat. And that way, when I sit down at my desk, when it's finally time to start working on whatever I want to work on, I can focus on that work instead of focusing on, oh, well, I have to clean this later, or, oh, I have this thing that's kind of bothering me in the back of my mind. I can put 100% of my energy into what I'm working on, which I think is really important that a lot of people might not take advantage of. Yeah. And for the people that are only listening and not watching, I can see Marcus's room right now and it is beautiful. It's a spectacular, Marcus. So good job. Thank you. <laughs> and I think uh, we can kind of transition now. We, we had a good catch up there and I thought that was good, but I, I kind of want to transition into some of the question and answers that we had on Instagram that I kind of want to branch out on and some of the ideas that I've been working on. And the, the first one that's I kind of want to talk about is the beginning of infinity because I wrote a post on this and I'm reading the book by David Dutch right now. I think it's Dutch. I think that's how you say his last name called the, the beginning of infinity. And I wrote a post on it and got a couple of DMS about like, Oh, what's this mean? Like, what, what are you trying to get to there? And it's such a cool, like dive into it has nothing to do with the field of sports performance. And this is what I tell kind of coaches all the time is like, try to read something from way outside of your field of expertise and then bring it back into your field of expertise. And I think that's where you can really take the steps forward as a coach. You can take the steps forward in any field by reading outside of the field and then grabbing those nuggets because everything inside your field, if you're good at your job, if, if you're kind of at that upper echelon and you don't need to build that foundation of knowledge, like it's all already kind of known, like, like you already know these facts, you already know these kind of foundational pieces and maybe it's worded in a different way that helps. And maybe there's something new that kind of helps. So that's always great to do, but the way to really take that step forward is to look at a different field, see what they're talking about. Cause it's going to be completely different than your field and then apply that like, Oh, that makes sense. And his idea at the beginning of infinity is that every problem we have and solve will lead to a deeper understanding of the issue or more knowledge of the issue. So every time that we think we solve a problem, it actually leads to a new problem. You solve the original problem. You have the answer, you have the solution, you made progress, but that just brings you to a new starting point of a new problem because now you have more understanding of the situation. You have more understanding of the issue. And that mind effed me because we're like, holy shit, like we're always at the beginning of infinity. We can always create something more. And I think it's really cool to dive into the sports performance field with this because the human body is the same way. Uh, the deeper we dive, the more we realize is there. Uh, it used to be all about ice for healing. Like that was the only answer, like this rest, ice, compressed, elevate. Like that was the answer. And you, you still have people swearing by like icing, like that's the only way that you can heal an injury is just rest and ice it and there's no other answer. Uh, the experts already spoke on that. And yet we know that's not the best answer, but 
there's people that think we are at the end of infinity, which isn't a thing, I guess that that was a bad way to say it. But at the end, like we have all the knowledge and it's like, we are at the beginning of infinity and we are not the experts. Like we should continue to dig deeper and understand that there's always going to be more and there's always ways to kind of progress this. So as we continue to go forward and question rather than just accept what the previous expert and there, I shouldn't say there aren't experts because they were experts in that moment. They, they developed something. They moved us forward. They progressed us from point A to point B, but point B is not the ending point. Point B is just an opening and the, the understanding of, all right, now we have problem C, D, and E. We didn't know about problem C, D, and E, or we didn't know about route C, D, and E before because we were still at A, but B does not mean it's the end point. Like ladders are still like, there's still people out there that do ladder drills for agility because like they, they went from point A to point B and just think point B is the ending. Like there's so much more in every single field, but especially the field of sports performance that we are always going to be at the beginning of infinity rather than at the end, rather than at, we have the answer to this problem. Uh, that problem is just so many more routes to what else, what the other things we can dive into in that field of expertise is. Yeah, I think that's a really cool concept. Um, I could see how you could use that outside of the sports performance world as well. I, I know from just like a small personal example, I had read a book about quantum theory um, and quantum physics as a whole, which is something that is very much outside of my like realm of expertise. But reading that book, it got me thinking about all of these stories of what could happen. And obviously I'm not an expert. Um, and so there might be answers to some of the questions I had. But when I was thinking about stories, when I was thinking about what those uh, theories and just like those small things meant to me as like a storyteller. Um, I was thinking about ways I could kind of incorporate those elements into like my own way of storytelling, um, which I think is really cool. So I could see how looking outside the box, trying to figure out like, all right, well, what's out there, um, how I could incorporate that into like your daily life. And it doesn't have to be just sports performance. Um, and then the other idea of the, there's no endpoint where you always have other questions. I like that idea a lot too. There's um, a saying that my dad always told me, and it was, uh, bring me solutions, not problems. And when I think about that, when you bring a solution, if there's a problem that you're encountering and you have a solution, there's always a, okay. And, and so it's, what do I do right now? Um, let's say if you have a problem, uh, let's make it really small, but like, let's say you need to like rake the leaves on your lawn, right? If, if the solution is how do I do that? It's obviously to get a rake. And then what's the next solution? Go get the rake. And there's just all these different solutions and all these different paths that you can take. Um, so I, I like that idea when you said that it just, it brought up that idea of bringing me more solutions and not problems as it rang a bell. Yeah. And he talks about, it's kind of, kind of funny that you brought it up because he he's big into like the, the quantum physics side of things and the dark matter. And that's the other cool thing about this book is how small we really are. He, he brings up, uh, he spends, I think it's like three pages in this book, just laying out how small you are as a person on earth. And then he expands it to the universe and like continues to like go out and then just brings you to the massive scale of everything that is out there and everything that we don't know. It's just so funny because like, especially in the strength conditioning world, you'll log on to Twitter and you'll hear these people arguing and like saying things like so matter of factly. And it's like, man, like if you were to have that outside perspective to see like we are, you wouldn't even see us like that small of a sliver in the whole grand scheme of things to say like something matter of factly. And to say like, you have those answers, like, man, like I really just think a lot of the, a lot of times we need to put things in greater perspective and we need to understand like, we are that little sliver 
And there is so much more around us that we are not even thinking about asking to feel like we are experts and to feel like we have answers and can say things matter of factly like that. That's all just ego and all just our ape like human brains coming out and saying these things. But there's so much more there. And I think that's that's something that I really like kind of inspiring in young strength coaches and old strength coaches is like just read some of those things. Uh and challenge it a little bit, think about it a little bit rather than reading it. And just cause it comes from somebody that you highly respect or somebody that's in a field, it doesn't mean you have to dislike them or anything. Like not, I don't dislike them. I just, that idea, I don't have to take that idea and just absorb it. And just like, that is the answer. Just question some of those things and then see where that questioning can take you. See where the questioning can lead you to solutions that other people aren't seeing. And I think that's, that, that's really the way that we can move our field forward. And I think everybody wants to be an expert. Everybody thinks that they're an expert. And we had somebody on the podcast last week who I would say is an expert in his field. Uh, and he mentions uh, you guys had a nice conversation going back and forth. And uh, I would like to hear you kind of expand a little bit more upon your expertise um, about how you incorporate your, like how you use your programs, about how you go about like his ideas, Dr. Craig Harrison's ideas in your programs. Yeah. And this was uh I really wanted to expand upon this point and brought this point up in this podcast because he had an awesome talk about kind of the novelty in workouts and how he introduced it into his athletes. And he's into long-term athletic development, which I think we all are, even if we're working with older athletes, like we're, we're all, we want long-term development of our athletes and how he introduced something new into it. And this is where I got my, my, my mind thinking, and I didn't bring it up in the podcast, but I wish I would have is there's kind of two ways. And this is the Jordan Peterson kind of chaos and order route to creating a program is there's the first person, like two ways people go about their workouts usually. And both ways I think are wrong. The one person goes about it is they stick, it's the order path. They stick so strictly to something and they make great gains initially because anything initially is going to give you great gains, but those great gains just don't continue because they, 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 they're, swearing by something they're swearing let's say it's a program maybe it's west side maybe it's 531 maybe it's triphasic it doesn't matter what the program itself is but they do it and they stick to it completely and there's no other answers and they blind themselves and they continue to run the same thing over and over and over again and they create weaknesses in other parts that that program isn't touching and it makes them blind to it and they develop biases to it and then you have like the other route, which is like the chaos side of it. You, you have the program junkie, you have that ADHD guy that is can't stick to anything for too long. He's kind of going in the random circle to nowhere. He, he, he does West side one day, triphasic literally the next day. And it is just, he's trying to do it all. He's trying to incorporate every single little thing into the program. And there's really no overall direction. And that's where I, I, he, he talks about novelty. Like how can we, and this is something that a lot of coaches ask me. It's like they, they see a lot of variation in the workouts. They see a lot of almost like chaos. And that's their question is, is it like the program junkie? Is it like the ADHD? And that's where I have to tell them it's like, it's no, it's, it's balancing between that order and the chaos, keeping kind of the main goal, the goal, the overarching goal, the goal. So I, I brought up the talk about like, let's say you want to increase your vertical jump. You, you want to get higher. You want to jump higher. The structure of that program would be geared towards that so we're going to have tons of variation in there. We're going to kind of attack it from all different routes. So we have the foundation of, we need to increase our vertical. We need to jump higher. So how can we do that? We could do weighted jumps. We do band assisted jumps. Maybe some weeks we'll do high volumes of jumps. Some weeks you'll do low volumes of jumps. Some weeks you'll do vertical strength work. Some weeks we'll do a bunch of variation based jumps, but trying to give the variation in the way of attacking it from all different routes. You have like the eight vectors. You can attack it from every single different vector. There's so many different ways to work on that overarching goal of vertical jump, 
but you are not swearing by one thing. And this is where you would have the kind of orderly athlete, the, the athlete that sticks to a program. He would do from weeks one to week 12. And I've seen programs like this where there's like literally almost no, nothing different. It's, you know, let's five sets of three box jumps and then barbell back squats, five sets of five. And then accessories are all three sets of 10. And you'll do that same program for 12 weeks. You'll do the same exact thing, maybe slight variations, but you're never going to develop variation. So you'll, you'll excel at that box jump, you'll get the barbell back squat up and you'll, you'll continue to progress, but there's going to be so many weaknesses. Maybe, maybe it's an ankle. Maybe it's, you, you want to dunk the basketball. You have a high vertical, but now you don't have the art of dunking because you've never done any variation based jumps. Maybe you haven't developed the velocity part of your jump because they haven't done any band assisted jumps, but you've never really attacked it from the multiple angles that you could attack it from. You've just kind of sworn by, all right, this is going to be the orderly way to do it. This is going to make sense. And you're going to have great initial gains, but you're not going to create that holistic program that you're really looking for. Whereas like the second guy who's a program junkie, like I mentioned, like day one, he's going to do French contrast for his program. He's going to do all these kind of French contrast methods. And then day two, we're going to hit some West side because that's what he read is going to increase vertical. And individually, those all, all like maybe separately, they do increase vertical, but he's going to jump from program to program. And we're never again, going to holistically develop a plan. So Yes, you could say he's attacking weaknesses. He's filling in gaps, but holistically, he's not really moving anywhere. He's just filling in the gaps in his circle that he's creating. And that's something that I just really wanted to mention when he brought up the novelty. Like, how do you incorporate variation into your workouts? You do it in orderly and chaos-based fashion. It's, it's, not, it's not just random. You don't just throw things at your athletes and let them figure it out. You start with a holistic, overarching goal. And then you develop that athlete and you move that athlete almost in a snake-like pattern towards that goal rather than the A to B path and rather than the circular path. And you kind of combine that chaos and order method to sports performance. And again, that, that's just a great example of trying to apply things from outside the field and something I had to try to do with all my athletes. But again, just emphasizing that it's not random training, but it's also not structured training to where you can never leave the box. You're going to experiment with some of the stuff that you do and the rest of it's going to be kind of set on that platform to move you closer to your goal. And I think that uh, when you're working out and you're going, trying out all these different workouts, kind of going through the chaos and trying to get those gains that you're talking about, uh, sometimes you can have a little bit of like tough, tough muscle that's happening and you might want to massage it out. And so I know a lot of people are curious about what you think are the best types of massage guns that are out there. Yeah, I was talking to Marcus about this before the podcast and we kind of set the Instagram world on fire with this one because on the question and answer, somebody, it, it was one of my buddies, he, he wrote in like, what's, what's your favorite kind of massage gun? And he's like, I know this is going to get you fired up. And I actually don't think I've talked about this one. And I think this is going to be a great title that we can use on the podcast, Marcus. So it'll be a little bit clickbaity, but it's perfect. We like clickbait stuff, good content there. But if you are worried about what the best type of massage gun is for your workouts, if you are worried about something that is that small, you are not nearly connected enough to what you are doing. This is where you, you have the person that is like the same thing with the f like fad dieters. Like they'll say, I'm on keto. I, I'm fasting. And it's just like, you're almost doing something because you think it's cool. Like it, like you're just doing the massage gun thing because everybody else is doing the massage gun thing. If you are connected to what you're doing, you should not have to worry about like what your best massage gun tool that you're going to use is one, it's not going to lead to long-term results. All the studies out there about self-myofascial release and something that penetrates at that low of a level is not going to lead to any long-term results anyways. So if you're just going results-based, it's not going to lead to anything and maybe it'll make you feel good in the moment. But I just think overarching and more importantly, 
We need to find a bigger purpose for why you're there. If you have to massage gun for 30 minutes before you work out, you're probably not engaged enough in your session. I'll have guys that'll come in that'll be beat up, but I mean, literally like they're running through two a day football camps and they're beat up, man. Like their, their bodies are beat up. They, they had four hours of football practice that day, probably like another two hours of film and they'll come into our sessions. And I promise you, they're not massage gunning themselves because we have them engaged in our sessions. Not saying we full send every day, not saying they're not sore. I'm just saying they don't need to massage gun because there are people out there that swear by it, man. Like they swear by, ah, I need to massage gun 40 minutes before and I, I need to roll out. If rolling out is going to be the same. I need to roll out ah, for at least 20 to 30 minutes before. It's like, no, you don't. If you're connected enough to what you're doing, you have a reason for being there. It's engaging. Like you want to be there. That's part of it. Like you want to be at that session and you want to kind of level up your body. Then those things they disappear because psychologically you're there psychologically you're sore, but it's not like I need to get rid of this soreness. Psychologically it's I'm sore, but I'm a man, they're playing spike ball and I want to play spike ball psychologically. They're sore, but they're jumping over that box and they're doing cool things. And I want to see what my body can do today. Even though I am beat up, maybe we'll bounce back a little bit. We'll take a step back, but I still want to engage. So if you're the athlete that is currently like, they can't get out of that mindset of, and that this is also another thing, just a little tangent, like the physical aspect of it. We didn't have massage guns for massage guns. Maybe we've had them for two, maybe five years. Let's say five years. We've had massage guns at the very earliest. You're telling me people for the rest of human history needed massage guns. You're telling me like physically you need that massage gun to work out that that's bullshit. Like, cause I've had athletes bring that up. Like, no, I need it. You do not need it. You're, you're man. We used to be cavemen, like being chased by tigers. We had fucking nothing. We barely had food to survive on and they were functioning and they were reproducing and they were getting us to where we're at today. You do not need that massage gun to lift your little barbell in your air conditioned gym. Like you do not physically need it. You, You want it. Maybe psychologically it helps you a little bit, but you do not need that massage gun. So that was a little physical tangent. Don't, I don't want to say don't be soft, man. Don't be soft. Like there's so many things out there that are comforts that's, they, they, they take away from the overarching purpose. They take away what your body is physically able to do. Your, your human body is so unbelievably powerful. It can heal itself. It can do whatever you train it to do. And if you are babying it and you are treating it like this, it's this little fragile car that humans have created, like you, you are going to live a long, miserable life of movement. You are never going to really truly embrace what your human body is capable of doing. And if you're not embracing what it's capable of doing, your body's going to really hate that. And once you start to embrace what your body's physically capable of doing, your body really starts to take off. Your mindset takes off with the workouts and that starts to become connected enough to your workouts. And that's where you don't need that massage gun. So sorry for that little tangent, but you don't need that massage gun. Don't ask questions about what the best type of massage gun is. Your body is for thousands of years has been capable of doing anything without any sort of massage gun. You're perfectly fine. Connect to something bigger than that in your workouts and we'll be just fine. And there's a lot of things that we do on a daily basis where we find a lot of comfort, right? So people really rely on these like massage guns and it's just this comfort zone for them. Other people prefer to stay in a comfort zone more intellectually where they're just staying in like their world of expertise. And I feel like throughout this entire conversation, we've had a great talk about breaking outside the box, thinking about things that you might not have thought before, thinking about things that aren't necessarily inside your world of expertise. And so that leads to me uh, to ask this question, which I'd like to ask, just kind of wrap up the podcast here. Uh, and that's what's the biggest area that you're curious about outside of the strength performance world. And why are you, uh, you know, curious about it? Why are you kind of researching those things? I think the biggest thing 
I think there's two right now, actually. One, like I have a chess obsession right now, Marcus. Like I am obsessing over chess. I'm not very good at chess. I'm I'm learning, but I am obsessing over chess. And the 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 the, the psychological like it's almost like a psychological workout is how I view it. Like, can can you remember the lines? Can you can you adapt to the challenge that the person's putting on you? Not physically, because that that's where it's like physically, I've been blessed with a body that is able to somebody puts me like that's all sport is somebody puts you in a situation you don't want to be in. How do you physically adapt? There's some psychological aspects to that and you're figuring it out, but you're doing it with your body. And now chess is somebody puts you in a situation you don't want to be in. How can you psychologically get out of that in this game? How can you psychologically counter that and then attack them? And I'm a big competitor. So like that gives me, that also allows me to geek out about that, but that's been something I've really kind of been getting into recently. I, it's not something that I need to be getting into because like there's eight year olds out there that could work me blindfolded. So it's not something, not a sport, a sport that I need to be obsessing with right now. And I do have an obsessive mindset. So I tell myself like, you need to stop playing chess. Like you're wasting your time in this aspect of it, but I've been really geeking out about that. And the second thing is kind of, we talked about it a little bit, but like the, the grand scheme of the universe, man, that this, uh, this beginning of infinity book has been making me dive down that deep. Like, the amount of things that are like the dark matter route, like when they're talking about dark matter and how, like, I think it's like 80%, uh, maybe it's 90%. Uh, maybe you know better, but there's so much dark matter makes up so much of the universe and we, can, we can't even register it. Like we can't even see it. And, but it makes up almost all of the space, like just how much out that there is out there. Like, I love things that make me question and love things that make me feel absolutely like an idiot. Like I'm reading this guy and I'm like, this guy's brain works at a level that my brain like has never even touched. And he's like working through ideas in his paper. I'm like, Oh my God, this guy's a genius. And that, that kind of is what I've been geeking out about recently. Like how, how is he even contemplating these things? How do I contemplate these things? How do I contemplate how really like, how do I stay connected to the day to day and what's happening in the gym and having this conversation with you, but also realize like pull back and be like, wow, the amount of things that is happening on this earth and planet and universe that we can't even see. And we have no understanding of, and we just feel like there's answers, but there's really not the answer like that absolutely blows my mind. Yeah, absolutely. That universe question is something that I've always really enjoyed too. I took in my first, my first, my first freshman year, there we go. Um, my first freshman year, I ended up taking a astronomy course and I took it just because I had to take a science class and I didn't want to do biology. I didn't want to do any of the other sciences. And I was like, all right, well, astronomy is the only one that I don't think I'm going to need a ton of math. And I was very wrong, but, um, I ended up taking that class. And the guy who taught that course was a MIT graduate. He had worked at NASA for six years years. And then he was teaching at uh, Normandale. He had just moved to Minnesota. And I, I remember being in his class and I showed up every day on time. And my freshman year, I, I was trying to be as productive as possible. And at the time I was a business major and I had a lot of like heavy textbooks. So my goal was to like minimize everything that was happening in my backpack. So I had everything virtual. I had all my notebooks virtually. I had all my like textbooks virtually. This class was the only class I had to show up with a paper and pen every day. And I needed to get the book physically so I could sit down, highlight and think about what he was saying, uh, because everything he said always challenged me. And it was one of those things that it's very difficult to step back and think about the universe as a grand whole. And 
oh man, the scale of it is just incredible. And so ever since that class, I mean, I've tried going on and uh, I did another astronomy lab at a different school and I got to meet a different professor who has kind of been deep into the world of astronomy and talking to him about his beliefs and what he sees and all of like his values. It's crazy thinking about these people that dedicate their time to these topics are so much bigger than us. Uh, and then of course I've also dived down the rabbit hole. So I've read two different Stephen Hawking books, like a Neil deGrasse Tyson book and, uh, try to keep up on some of the mainstream media, like, like the cosmos TV show and all that stuff. But that, that whole topic is something that's super fascinating to me as well. Well, and I love that. Yeah, that one thing I want to branch off there before we end the podcast is how you had that one teacher that kind of sparked that interest through everything else. And I think that's something that you and I can talk about too, is like, kind of the goal of the podcast, the goal of what I do, probably the goal of what you do too, is to spark that interest in other people, you know, like young strength coaches. Can I, can I spark that interest? Can I spark that ability to challenge? Can I spark that ability to dig a little bit deeper into what they're doing so they can go down that rabbit hole of like diving deep into all those other fields. And same thing with producing with you. Can you spark other young producers that are trying to get into this, that are unsure if they can take that step. But that's something that I think all of us have the power to do is to spark that light in other people. And then once you spark that light, seeing the domino effect that that has and seeing how you, you literally say, like, there's so many times that I've had a strength coach, a young strength coach tell me like, when you said this, that sparked my interest in that. And then I, it took me down this rabbit hole. And I don't even remember saying that word. I don't even remember saying that phrase or what that, what I, a lot of times on the podcast, I'm like just talking like ranting and he's like, yeah, that sparked. I was don't remember, remember saying it, but you put your own thoughts out there. You put your own soul out there and it sparked the interest in somebody else enough to take them down a totally different route in life. And now they're in that rabbit hole. I think that's super powerful. I agree. I agree. And I think that's going to be where we wrap up this episode. I mean, this has been a great conversation and I appreciate you having me on the show. Yeah, Marcus. Thank you guys. For, thank you for being on. Thank you guys for listening. Keep chopping wood. Thank you for listening. Join us next week as we dive down another rabbit hole. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a five-star rating. Follow us on Instagram at Austin Yoakum to stay updated on future podcast guests. Keep chopping wood.